Welcome to the Fox Pro Podcast, brought to you by Fox Pro Game Calls. Hey guys and gals, welcome back to the Fox Pro Podcast. This is John Collins, and we've got none other than Big Al Morris on the line. How's it going, Al? Good. How are you, John? Doing pretty good, buddy. You got back from a, uh, from a trip just a few days ago, didn't you? Yeah, no, we were in eastern New Mexico, and I just want to give a shout-out to you and everybody there that makes this podcast happen. It's pretty exciting to see you guys break the top ten, top five in the wilderness uh, podcast uh, deal. That's kind of a big deal, John, that you've taken a podcast from basically zero to uh, the top five of the wilderness podcast. Yeah, it is pretty cool. I, I you know, I want to thank everybody that, that tunes in. It seems like everybody's enjoying it, and uh, – and that's the reason we do it. We want you guys to enjoy this. And, and I guess the most important thing is we want you guys to learn from it. Hopefully it is entertaining to you, but we want this to be extremely educational. Um, so thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you guys that, that continue to tune in. And, you know, this episode ain't going to be no different. We're going to try to uh, inform you guys what's been going on here lately. You know, on this episode, we're going to discuss – uh, what we've seen in the field while coyote calling over the last few weeks or last couple weeks. Uh, Al just got back from a highly successful trip down in the southwest, down in New Mexico. And I've been hunting a little bit around here, home, uh, in my home state of Kentucky. And well, so what we're going to do is we're going to share with you all what we've seen out of the coyotes and how they've been calling and what sounds we've had the most success with. Um, we might also touch briefly here towards the end on possible effects that moon phase and temperatures have on coyote movement and uh, how they, they, you know, that might determine how they actually respond to the Fox Pro. Uh, so we got a good one here for you guys. I think you guys can, can gather something from, from that. You know, the breeding season is kind of starting to kick in right now. Time this, this one hits, we're going to be smack dab in the well, middle of it. Next six weeks is going to be critical. And it's that nuggets of information. I think what sets our podcast apart is we're just not regurgitating uh, random stuff. We're regurgitating the stuff that I think the pure predator hunters uh, are really interested in, John. So, you know, it was really cool. I was down there in New Mexico with Brian Trussell. Brian Trussell killed his first gray fox in 1977. I killed my first coyote in 1978. I'm not sure how old Brian was. He couldn't have been very old, six or seven, because I was 12 when in 1978 when I killed my first coyote. So I've been doing it since 1978. That will date me a little. Yeah, and, I, uh, um, I was born in 80. <laughs> <laughs> so... And that just tells you that uh, we've been doing this a long time. But I, you know what, John? I think the most exciting thing about being a predator hunter is I never am afraid to learn something. And I learned something new this week. And it's awesome to say I'm 57 years old, been hunting since 1978 coyotes. And I learned something new, and I want to share it with these people on this podcast. Awesome. Well, that's like I said earlier, that's what it's all about. You know, we want to we wanna share uh, the knowledge that, that guys, hunters like you have out with, uh, with everybody in the, uh, coyote, bobcat, fox, you know, the predator hunting world, you know, way I see it, if you have a little bit of knowledge on something, knowledge isn't worth much if you can't share it. And, uh, that's what we're going to do today. Well, everybody thinks they have a secret, you know, or these really guys, these guys that go out and crush coyotes on a regular basis have a secret. Guess what? They don't. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, I've said this many a times, you know, uh, 
you see a lot of questions popping up on Facebook, Instagram, our TikTok channel, uh, all these platforms that that we put content out on, or you know, and just just follow along with some of like these coyote hunting groups and stuff. You see a lot of questions popping up like, hey, man, what sounds are working right now? Or you'll see guys like, man, I'm having a horrible time. I can't call in nothing right now. I'm having a lot of dry stands. And they see a lot of success from videos and from other people's posts. And, you know, I, I think these guys get wrapped up and they think they have to kill a coyote every single stand. Um You know, I make a lot of of dry stands. Do you, Al? (laughs) A a lot. I make more dry stands than I want to admit, but at least I admit it. And I miss a lot more coyotes than I want to admit, but I shoot at a lot of coyotes. So I I catch, you see those comments, you know, he's the terrible shot. Well, when you shoot at hundreds of coyotes a year, you're going to miss a few. And I don't mind if we show them on video. It's not that big a deal to me because I know when I'm shooting at hundreds of coyotes, I'm going to miss a percentage of those because we're talking about a small target and you know what i'm getting older my eyes aren't the same my ears everything it's not the same for me as we grow and we age uh it's amazing to me how my body uh can let me down yeah see the difference with you and me al is if i have some misses i make sure they don't get seen i make sure they get cut (laughs) out no, you you you've showed a few, but very few. You shoot really well, John Collins. Well, let's let's get let's get to the thick of this thing. How was uh how was New Mexico for you guys? You know, it was interesting to start out the first day last Tuesday was 25, 35 mile an hour winds. And I really, you know, it's we plan these trips months in advance. So we kind of wanted to show the struggle. You know, I said, we're going to film some of this and we're going to try real hard. And the other thing was, it was really cold. So we roll up on our first stand and uh, we get out of the truck. It's 25 minimum. And I'm like, well, we'll shorten the stands down. We'll keep it. And I'm going to play loud sounds. So I started out with lightning jack and I played lightning jack for about five minutes. And then I switched to woodpecker, and that woodpecker is a really high-pitched. I think it pierces the wind really well. And I had played woodpecker about a minute and a half, and those coyotes had to have heard the lightning jack because a pair of coyotes, uh, Brian Trussell, goes straight down wind, boys, 350 yards. And this pair of coyotes had smelled us and is streaking away over a hill. Right. And they, I was they, like, they, oh. were, they were coming and cut your all's wind. Yes, they yeah. come straight down. You know, and coyotes will end up. I, I think a majority of coyotes will try to end up downwind of you. Oh, especially in that big country like that. Anywhere, but especially yeah. in that big country. Yeah, no, they just and even pups that have never been called, I see circling to get the wind. Instant. And I think it just becomes a safety mechanism for them as they grow, as they learn that summer. If they'll circle and get the wind, they know what they're up against. Whether it's another coyote, whether it's a rabbit, whatever. Right. So I think that innately coyotes like to circle downwind but this pair of coyotes is downwind 350 yards they are hauling straight north the you it's all on video and it's all going to be seen um i turned on girl fight and that male takes a 90 degree hard turn and runs right out in front of us straight north of us the wind's coming out of the west straight out of the west 23 to 27 miles an hour this coyote ends up 270 yards straight north of me um looking for that sound but he'd already smelled us so he knew there was a rat in the hen house and john i put that crosshair right he blows his chest up i put that crosshair right on his chest 
elevated a little towards his face. He's head on to me, and I pulled the trigger, and I watched that ELDVT bullet go right by his face. Oh, no, you missed him. I missed him at <laughs> 270 yards. So, and so you all – Brian spotted these coyotes at 350-ish yards, but he when he spotted running. them, they were running away, right? Yes, sir. So they, they were coming, and and cut your all's wind at like 350. Cut and they're leaving. They're leaving the country. And you and switched to, to girl fight, which is a breeding sound from MFK, yep. and it turned those coyotes that had already got a snout that full male, of That morse. female wanted nothing to do with it. Yeah. But she's going to back her male. I know it was the male that he heard that fighting sound and come. he come 100 yards on an angle back straight in front of us, and I forgot to compensate for the wind right. on my shot right. and missed. Well, how many times have you ever seen a coyote catch your wind and you still be able to turn no. him and call him a positive direction back on, towards you? I can count them on one hand, and it's probably not very many fingers. Well, that I've, I've seen a coyote. That's when I went, wow, the power of that sound this time of year. So what that pretty much tells you is, is that's a excellent sound file, one. And the yes. second thing is that's telling you that the, uh, the pool of the breeding season on these coyotes is starting to get pretty strong. Yes, sir. And it just... I mean, I thought, wow. And then we made the next five stands in that heavy wind. We saw one other coyote at distance. He downwind hauling butt. And I'll be honest with you, I got so frustrated. We went in, ate lunch, and, and uh, we spent that afternoon just scouting, looking at we, – we picked up a whole bunch of new acres. And instead of burning through those coyotes or instead of letting those coyotes get downwind and smell us or just getting frustrated, we decided to use the rest of that day to uh, uh, scout. Right and look for look at area, and I really think that's a great you know t- way to spend time when you don't want to burn through coyotes in the wind. Um, go learn the area, right. go look for the tracks, the scat, the areas that you think will hold coyotes, and I think that's as productive as burning up stuff in the wind. Oh yeah, D- definitely, definitely. So once the wind died down, where you guys could get back into making stands, what it sounds like your game plan was. Uh, what was your game plan for calling on this trip? You knew the breeding season was coming up, but coyotes were still coming to prey to stress really well. What was your mindset going into this hunt on what type of sound you thought you were wanting to play, and what did you end up playing that you had success with? The uh, the advantage of this place is we've hunted it since uh, 10 years ago, nine years ago. We, Me and Brian did a fur taker, an original fur taker episode there that I thought was one of our best shows. And in that episode, I would play lightning jack for seven minutes, woodpecker for seven minutes, and I was pulling the trigger. Yep. This were two weeks later than we were nine years ago, and I wanted to show Brian that lightning jack still had it. But on the first two stands the next morning, the wind six miles an hour, I said, this wind is not – those coyotes live in six-mile-an-hour winds. It doesn't even affect them. Yeah. I know it doesn't, and and it really doesn't affect that X-24 either. That X-24 will buck six-mile-an-hour wind really easy. So the first stand we set up, and I start playing lightning jack, then I play woodpecker, and I, I this coyote we shows up at 300 yards and sits down and actually goes away from us. They got hinky for some reason, and these coyotes hadn't been called. It wasn't that they were pressured coyotes. I just think, you know, something didn't sound right to that first group of coyotes, and then we come off a main road. 
And so there is a chance somebody had been calling off that main road, but um, we made two stands early there and had a coyote burn right by us on the first stand. The second stand, the coyote pegged up at 350, 400 yards and got hinky and left. And the third stand, I just was frustrated. I didn't know what to do, but I still wanted to try my the, the theory. So I, I just, for whatever reason, chose KG Cottontail. Ooh, that's one of my favorites, Al. <laughs> and I played, decided to play KG for seven minutes. And I played KG, and a coyote shows up at three minutes on a fence, 300 yards uh, straight upwind. The wind was coming out of the west again, and this coyote is straight west of us. The sun's coming up behind us. Wind's in our face. Perfect conditions that way. We're hid by these yucca plants. And this coyote works its way down this fence line, but still at about 250. When all of a sudden I switch to woodpecker, and it really starts coming closer to about 200, and we're all getting excited watching this coyote out on the fence, and Brian looks left, and here comes a coyote through a corral right up to us, 80 yards. Of course, we're not going to not pluck that apple that's ripe. Right. So he, blow, he blows his chest out, and we double tapping nice. right there at 80 yards. Well, that coyote takes off running, so I play some. And I, the other thing I was playing is you're, I you're play talking, You're talking about the, the first coyote that y'all initially seen coming down the fintro is now heading out, right? Yeah. yeah. No, okay. it's gone. Yeah, it's gone. And I hit Pup Distress 3. I was playing some Ravens. I like to play the the rabbit. I like to play Ravens. And then I'll play the bird. I'll play the, you know, the mm-hmm. woodpecker, and I'll, I'll play the raven sound. And uh, anyway, for whatever reason, I play Sister Pear Hop. And it was kind of a new howl. And, uh, and uh, to me, it was a new howl. We just got those sounds here a few months ago. Yep, I like Sister Pear How. I played it a lot back in the fall and late summer and absolutely slaughtered the coyotes around around Kentucky. And we played it some in Kansas. I mean, I mean, it's, it, I like that how. It's a good one. And so I turn on uh, Sister Pear How, and three coyotes show up at the fence about 350 yards straight west of us again, where they, that first coyote mm-hmm. came from. Mm-hmm. And now there's three of them up there, but they're kind of hinky. I turned on Girl Fight. And they were kicking and scratching. We could see them out there kicking and scratching and getting aggressive. And for whatever reason, I just decided to turn on bowl squeaks just to see if, you know, I I let them know there was coyotes. I let them know those coyotes were fighting over stuff. But I turned on bowl squeaks. And all of a sudden, Brian goes right here, 150, coming hard. And this other coyote comes up there. Brian shoots it. It spins, takes off running. And I dumped him, dumped her on the run. Awesome. And, And we had a double. And honestly, we didn't call coyote. Well, we called coyote. We saw coyotes on the first two stands, but we kill a double. Then we go to the very next stand, and it's where I started. I really learned something on the next stand because I had a pretty solid uh, idea that uh, the rabbit was working. But after the rabbit for that 10, 12 minutes, I could go to vocals, and I would still get some other reactions. So we sat down. Turned on KG Cottontail, uh, two and a half minutes into KG Cottontail, a big old male. And he turns out to be a big old male, and his female was following him, but he was pushing in ahead of that female. And it was cold. Our temperatures were in the 20s. And uh, that big old male pushes up there 75 yards. Uh, Brian Trussell takes that Ruger American 
Gen 2 rifle and hits him center chest and just dumps him. And that female heard that, and she, boy, I mean, that coyote left the country. And uh, <laughs> what, is um, it? what is it about these females? They just they ain't near as loyal as the males, are they? No, not this time of year. I don't think hey, so. But I I've learned got, something. I've got this. my wife, Crystal. She, they're home from school today. They got schools called off for snow, and she's over on the couch. I told her, I said, you got to be quiet. I'm doing a podcast today. And, <laughs> and I mentioned that females ain't loyal like your men are, those males are. She, well, you got a funny look, didn't you? I looked over at her just to make sure she heard it, and she turned around. Boy, I got a foul look. <laughs> Well, we're talking about coyotes, you know, times, Crystal. <laughs> yeah, we're talking about coyotes, babe. Anyway, uh, I got to meet your wife at Christmas, and she's a you're a lucky man. I uh, I I turned on uh, woodpecker after we shot that coyote. I went my seven minutes with KG. I turned on the woodpecker, and I was playing Ravens, and I looked out there, and here comes this coyote sneaking in, right out in front of us, straight west, straight up wind cower you know kind of hiding from the call and i thought that's funny and it gets up there a hundred and some yards and uh it actually comes in and smells the dead male and when she smelled the dead male she kind of loops back and facing away from us and i went to shoot that coyote with my six five creedmoor and it hadn't picked up it's it's brand new and i dipped it in some camel and every now and then it has a feeding issue and it's just because i haven't oh you skipped skipped over the next round yes and it needs to it just needs some more love it it just needs another five or six boxes through it before it's going to run like a top yeah all the time in that cold and uh i go click well when i went click o'brien trussell says good enough for me and he pulled Uh the trick that coyote and that coyote spun and took off on the dead run. Well, I racked the action, and I uh, I racked that action, and that coyote was running full tilt with a two-two-three bullet in him, and I dumped it on the run. Nice. So I was all excited about my shot, and I turned on Sister Pear Howl and Pup Screams and Sister Pear Howl and Pup Screams, and all of a sudden Brian goes, Look at that coyote coming off the far hill. Well, I couldn't even see that far, John. It was a mile and a half to that other hill. I kept doing some pup screams, and I kept doing sister pair howl, and then I turned on girl fight. Yep. And this coyote at 400 yards just goes, I mean, screaming at us. So I played a little more. um, I played a little more. I played a little more uh, 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 girl fight, and every time I'd hit girl fight, that coyote would answer us. And you're going to hear it. Even though we were wearing the mics, both me and Brian, you're going to hear, and you're going to see that coyote at 300 yards just giving it to us. And I'm thinking, this big old male can't take it. And it posts up at about 250, and it sees us. I mean, it's it's downhill. We're skylined. It was the only place a coyote would be skylined to a coyote. Yep. Is the only place lower than us in the valley. And that coyote saw us up there and wasn't coming any closer. And it was head on to me, 250 yards. I pulled the trigger, did a classic miss again. But shooting that AR-10, it picked up every bullet after that. And it took me three rounds. But I hit that coyote full tilt running at about 270, 280. And uh, slowed her down. And that's the part that really blew me away. I walked down there to collect that coyote. Brian went to collect his two up there. 
and it was a big female and she did not have a tooth in her head really she didn't she didn't have any upper canines she only had one lower canine and it was a stub and so that coyote i, I was reading an article the other day that says coyotes will live 21 years there's a coyote live 21 years in a zoo good grief so they they yeah they think a coyotes can live 20 years in captivity but they only live six to eight years in the wild Right. Well, I'd seen other stuff. I've read other stuff where a guy said they'll live 10 to 12 years in the wild. But uh, either way, you call in a coyote that has no teeth, 6 to 8 to 12 years old, but it was a female. Yeah. It really blew my mind that this female. And so I started formulating in my head this pre-rut. And I really think we're pre-rut right now. I mean – when do your whitetail in Kentucky, what week is the prime rut week for Kentucky whitetails? I think they say like the peak of breeding here is like second week of November. Okay. So, and in Minnesota, it's probably the first week of November. Mm -hmm. And then if you go to Texas, they breed clear into January, yeah. December, yep. you know? Yep. So I know that it changes across the country for deer. But I honestly think coyotes are pretty consistent across from old Mexico to Alberta, Canada. They probably breed around the 15th of February. Uh, that's so that's what I've always month. heard, you know, is, you know, yep. nationwide is that's the average peak breeding. And then, of course, what is it, 60, 62 days later we have pups in the ground? Yeah. No, it's 62 day gestation period, just mm -hmm. like a dog. Mm -hmm. No different. Yep. And so, and that's what I base my whole year around is this, 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 uh, breeding that takes place, but this pre-rut and I've noticed through the years, but it never was as prevalent to me as it was this trip. So fast forward, we shoot a double, we shoot a triple very next stand doing the rabbit, doing the woodpecker, two coyotes come by us. I kill both those coyotes. We got another double. Then we work up on this hill. And uh, doing the rabbit, doing the woodpecker, I'm looking at a coyote at 350 yards that's hinky, won't come to the rabbit. I look left, or uh, my cameraman Lance looks left and says, Why don't you shoot this coyote at 150 yards? Wrong thing. <laughs> and so we shoot that coyote, and uh, we put those coyotes, those eight coyotes on video, and we only missed the very last stand, the, the second best stand of my, the day. Right as the sun was going down, we did not call a coyote in, and I don't know why, other than um, the wind kind of switched out of the east right at dark. Yep. And I've got a theory about that we're going to talk about a little later. But the next morning, I am jacked up because we just put eight on film. I think we are really going to roll. And the very first stand of the morning called in a big male to rabbit. He comes in early. Uh, Brian Trussell went right between his ears and missed him, and he took off running and didn't get three steps, and I put him down. And we're off and rolling. The next stand, we had coyotes all around us. We actually called three coyotes in and uh, uh, didn't get any of them between the cameraman not seeing them when we saw them and then the camera saw them and we couldn't see them. Three coyotes came in with gun range, and we did not pull the trigger on any of them. And that's the frustration of filming because if we'd have just been killing, we'd have killed three coyotes easy on right, that stand. Right. So, so you all, we saw five. So the calling yeah. seems like was was for the most part excellent. Y'all killed oh, yeah, a no, couple doubles, it, a triple. Yeah, know. no, we ended up and the very next stand we kill another double. Oh, really? So yes. So how many how many was, coyotes did y'all end up with total? Twelve. We 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 ended up with twelve on video and thirteen overall. 
14 overall. Two of them didn't make a uh, video. But so you, the, kill four, the, you kill 14 coyotes in what, two days or two and a half a days? A day and a half. Day and day, a half, yes. Day and a half. Awesome. And we'll talk about it. But the, the, the one stand I really want to talk about is the last single, and it's all on video. I turn on the rabbit, and a coyote pops up 300, 280 yards straight in front of us, looks up there, sees us, turns and leaves. And I take a running shot at 500 yards just because you can't kill them if you don't pull the trigger. Hey, when there's lead in there, there's danger. There's a prayer, absolutely. And that Hucks works. I have confidence. And I really think the reason we shot three doubles and a triple is because we had those Hucks works on the front of those rifles. It, it changes that noise. Coyotes at 300 yards don't know what that noise is coming out of suppressor. It doesn't sound like a rifle shot. It's just suppressed noise. And that's really all you're looking for when you buy a suppressor. And you might as well buy the best, the lightest. I put that 762 Flow titanium can on that Ruger American Gen 2 223, and it was whisper quiet. Yeah. A 30 caliber can on the front of a 223 rifle, yeah. and it worked. It's only 11.3 ounces, and it looks sexy as heck on that fluted ruger gen 2 barrel so it was awesome but this last kyle we, we go into it i played the rabbit i played the woodpecker and i'm i'm about seven minutes into the woodpecker so we're about 14 minutes on stand i look left and a coyote's coming off the hill going away from us and i thought what the heavens are these coyotes so hinky you know they're coming to the sound but when they get within 300 yards it seems like they're like ah, i'm out of here i don't like what i you know it just doesn't sound right, right. or just I don't know what a coyote, why a coyote would get hinky that's never been called to, and I really don't think this coyote had ever been called to. For whatever reason, John, I just switched straight to girl fight, and that coyote takes a hard 90, comes right back in front of us, 180 yards. Me and Brian Trussell double-tap her, and she actually barked coming in really? to, to the girl fight, and that was the second female out of the 12 we put on video that came in aggressively to girl fight. And that's when this little old beady brain of mine goes, you know what? These females must be so territorial right now that even though they weren't sure they wanted to come to the food sounds, when I turned on that sister pair, how, and that girl fight, they had girl coyotes in their core home area and they would not stand for it. They weren't going to just let it go without some investigation. Right, and it it really made the difference for this trip, and um, that's when I realized I, I've just always thought that the Fox Crow Library was perfect, and part of that reason I always thought it was perfect because I've always had a diaphragm in my mouth, and before we had electronic calls, me and Garvin, I mean, we had good electronic calls the last few years of our career. But in 1997, all we had was a Cersei hand call in Garvin's hands and a diaphragm elk call in my mouth. And Garvin would sit over there and blow the rabbit distress, and I would sit over there and howl. I would pup distress, and I would kai and I would whimper on a diaphragm. And it was always the first week of December when the world championships were, and we managed to scratch out four of them. And I didn't realize how important some of those vocals I was making with the diaphragm. Well, now we have a guy named Tory Cook in Arkansas that is getting these vocals from real coyotes that are real wild coyotes. They're not in a pen. They live with, he, you know, Tory lives with the coyotes. It's, it's like uh, National Geographic around his place, I'm sure. Right. With these coyotes. And, and uh, I think 
Tory is getting some sounds that nobody else is getting. Yes, they're coyotes, but they're in a pen or they're in their house or wherever they keep these coyotes. They aren't doing what wild coyotes do. These coyotes, Tory's recording are wild coyotes. And when we added the MFK library to that Fox Pro library, I really, and you give me a diaphragm call, John Collins, I am so confident. Even when you came to Arizona with me, I was so confident in the sequences. And and I've got a sequence that I'm running year-round, 24-7, 365, day, night, doesn't matter. I'll modify the minutes that I play sounds in that sequence. But at the end of the day, to see these female coyotes pushing in on this girl fight this time of year, mid-January, late January, knowing that next month we can go into some of these really heavy duty breeding sounds that have come out um i still don't have them loaded on my unit i've got to get joe to get them loaded and uh, i am so excited to try some of these other sounds that are coming up well i mean i think you made a really good point there you know if you're taking advantage of the fox pro library and the mfk library and plus you're taking advantage of uh you're mixing hand calls and mouth diaphragms in the mix You've just turned yourself into a very well-rounded predator collar, coyote collar, um, and I think you know to be to be a step above. You got to do stuff like that. You know, if you can take advantage of those three things, you're going to be a, probably you know in most circumstances uh, apt to call in more coyotes, more bobcats, more fox, all that stuff. If you're taking advantage of a couple different libraries such as the MFK and the Fox Pro, and then you mix in the hand call stuff, I mean, it's going to put you a step above somebody else that's just running, say, just one library or just running hand calls. I have never – I can't tell you how many world championships I think me and Garvin would have won had we had the MFK library at our fingertips. I saw a guy on a a Facebook group the other day, somebody was asking about, you know – what would be what is what what call does he need to buy and what sounds does he need to run? I seen somebody get in there and actually made the comment. I you know I don't want to comment on it on the on the group page, but the guy said just get you a set of hand calls. You'll call just as many coyotes as everybody else. E calls no, overrated. Sir. Well, no sir. Go enter the worlds. Go enter the, the eastern when it was going on. Go enter up any of these big time contests that's been going on. Enter the big bobcat contest down there in Texas with Texas. all those teams coming in trying to kill a bobcat that's worth tens of thousands of dollars. I guarantee you first place ain't running just hand calls. I'm not saying no. there's some of these guys can do pretty good, but no, there if was you're some win, <laughs> no, if you want to if you want to bring numbers to the table, you've got to use all those tools at your disposal. And and you know we preface that that it was Bill Countess rules in the world champ. There's still a world championship out there, but it, the rules are different than the rules me and Garvin had to play by. It's more of a participation medal, and that's my opinion. And uh, you don't have to agree with me uh, out there in, in, in on our podcast world, but the world championship today is not the world championship me and Garvin participated in, and it's a shame because it was brought back in 1988. I think that that format, that championship's perfect, but we all roll the same boat and it's project coyote and fun for animals. These people don't want us hunting coyotes at all. And what people out there need to listen to too is, is uh, 
it, once they get coyote hunting shut down, they're going to go after your deer hunting. They're going to go after your bird hunting. So don't think just because you hunt chuckers in, in Nevada that, that uh, these people shutting down a coyote contest is going to affect you. It will, because when they get done shutting down lions, bears, coyotes, they're going to come after your chucker hunting. That's right. And just get, get, get their foot in the door. Yep, we're all rolling the same boats. So we got to remember that, and that's all. That that's all I'll say on that note. Um, it was very interesting to me to be fifty-seven years old and learn and really come to the realization that females. I really think these female coyotes this time of year are more territorial than the males were, and the males were more interested in eating because of the cold temperatures and stuff. The other thing I don't think people realize, John, is these coyotes are still growing this hair. Oh yeah. Now. The hair's pretty well grown. That more October, November ish, December ish, they're growing that. That hair's growing a lot. They need a lot of calories to grow that hair that's going to get, you know, that's their, that's their winter coat. That's got to get them through these cold, negative degree temperatures. And I see on Facebook all these people, if you have your dog, it's, it's 20 degrees out there. And if your dog's outside, I hate you. That dog of mine has a fur coat right. and he's laying in straw in a kennel. So you can kiss my butt if you think I'm worried about that dog out there. He's tough. He's got a fur coat, and he's laying in straw. Those coyotes don't have the straw in a dog box. <laughs> Those coyotes wrap that tail around them, and they live just fine to minus 30. Right. So don't worry about the animals that are built for it. Those cattle, they have a fur coat. Um, it's it's, I, it's just these die bleeding hearts that want to make these animals. It, they give these animals a... Uh, Oh, what's it called when you make them into people? When you make an animal into, there's a word for that, and I, I just blanked it. But humanize them. Disney, Disney did us no favors with Bambi and Todd. My wife killed Todd the other day. Did you see that red fox? I my saw wife's? that. I saw that. You don't mess with my wife's chickens. She'll shoot you with a shotgun at 50, <laughs> 54 yards. And that remind, I'm not going to make her mad either. I, if I'd have said them females, I. I she might have picked that shotgun up that's laying there by the uh, back door. I guarantee you she still knows where it's at. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I want to ask you about uh, about these sounds a little bit more that you was having success with, Al. It sounds like for the for the bulk of the trip, you guys were initially having coyotes coming to prey distress stuff. You were starting out with yep. a rabbit. You were switching into a bird sound and mixing in some ravens. I'm sure you was playing magpies, too, because I know you like the magpies. You like yeah, the mix there in. wasn't as many magpies around, so I stuck to the, the ravens. ravens. Yeah. Yep. So you was initially getting coyotes called in with this, and you all were shooting coyotes over the prey distress type stuff. But in the middle of the stand and towards the end of the stand, you started switching into some vocal type Vocals. stuff. And you were it getting seconds, thirds, and, and second chances at some of these coyotes because of that. It was a split stand. It uh, truly was a split stand. And I'll tell you, the other reason I was playing Prey Distress up front is I paid the 348 bucks to be able to shoot a bobcat or a fox. Right, right. That, that came in, and I wanted to shoot a bobcat. We had seen some big bobcats out in this scruff country mm -hmm. and we never saw a bobcat on but i really broke the stand into two two mini stands and it was 11 minutes with one with prey distress 11 to 14 minutes with prey distress and another 11 10 minutes with vocals and uh i stayed a little longer than i typically do and i broke the stand into two stands the first one was a prey distress stand the second stand was vocals breeding stands and it was the first time I've ever really done that right. mentally. Yep. And I want to, I always want to project a scenario. 
And, you know, I usually start out with C5, Young Coyote Howl, Little B, Whimper, Pup Howl. I just, I have really had dramatic. I've played those two howls sitting there two minutes in silence and the coyotes have showed up. And then I went straight into cagey cottontail and, and ravens. And then after five, six minutes of that, seven minutes of that, I'd go to the woodpecker and some ravens. And then I was going to sister pair howl, into girl fight, into table scraps, into pound town, and then mayhem. And I even had one pound town, one coyote, I think, uh, came to P- pound town, but I hit vol squeaks and he kind of finished that way. Um, it's just, it's really become a, it's a, not an epiphany because everybody's doing the same thing. If you really watch the videos out there, if you really watch what everyone does, we're all playing the same sounds, just in different variations. And I don't care whose sounds you're playing. There's variations of similar sounds out there, but when you can find that combination that is unlocking different groups of coyotes on the same stand, man, that's really powerful. That TX 1000 remote just got real powerful and that diaphragm helping and all that in the mouth. It's just bonus. Yep. Well, you know, you was talking about splitting it up in kind of two different sections in your stand, you know, with the prey and and the vocals, you know, I do that a lot and I've done that for years, especially here in the Midwest. Cause a lot of times the places we're calling once, once late fall comes in and through the winter, like you said earlier, you got bobcats and fox seasons that are in, and everybody knows I love a bobcat, and I want to have yeah. chances at those. But the thing is, when you start those stands off this time of year, it doesn't hurt a thing to start off with some prey distress. Even though you've got breeding season coyotes on your mind, they still got to eat. And when you're playing these these prey distress sounds to start your stand, you can play them for two minutes, you can play them for ten minutes, whatever you feel like you want to do. Uh, you yep. have those chances at those bobcats that's laying out there that you could come in and everybody would love to have a chance at a big old bobcat. Uh, that's the reason you bought that license, and that's the reason you started yep. off with those prey distress sounds. Um, the other yep. thing is is you've got those coyotes that are laid out there that are hungry. And, you know, if one's yep. laid out there hungry and he hears a rabbit that he's never heard before, he's going to come in there and eat that rabbit, which might be cagey cottontail. It might be lightning jack. Uh, so yep. you're – you're you're getting out you're capitalizing on those bobcats those fox uh those hungry coyotes but if there's coyotes laid out there that's not interested in the prey distress when you start in with that breeding type stuff that just hits on another trigger and if those coyotes wouldn't come to prey it's a pretty good chance you will get them to those vocals so i think it's a very solid uh game plan for this time of year nothing wrong playing a little bit of prey distress at the beginning of your your set even though you might be thinking that you're going to play all breeding type coyote vocal type stuff well and i also knew that this ground wasn't getting it wasn't pressured so right. i think a lot of areas this time of year pressured coyotes will avoid rabbit distress yeah if they've been shot at if that 55 grain missile's gone by their head a time or two they're yeah. not just going to run into rabbit because they're and and you know i've always said there's five reasons if you come to our seminars meet both me and john have seminars at the great american outdoor show coming up yep. um Yep. What dates are your what days are you doing seminars, John? I think it's Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. The first, the you know, it's the, yep. the show starts on well, Saturday, I'm, so I'm Monday, Thursday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. I'm, I'm Thursday, Friday, Saturday of that last week. Yep. Uh, I'll be in and and uh, in the, there's five reasons, and and you correct me if you have a variation of this, John. There's five reasons a coyote will come. They're hungry. They're going to come to prey distress because they want to eat. Two, they're territorial. They're a dominant pair will be the most territorial animals in that area. 
they will defend their territories right to the fight to the death sometimes i'm sure they do um then they're curious uh they'll hear sounds and they'll be curious about it then they're going to breed they're going to come to breeding sounds during breeding season and they're going to defend their areas if there's other coyotes breeding in there they don't want them in their core home area having pups in where they want to raise pups and then they're going to defend their pups they're going to protect their pups they're going to raise their pups and that's the the summertime calling and there's five that's five cylinders to fire on what i discovered this week is i was firing on at least three maybe four of those cylinders most every stand that i broke into two parts and i really think the more cylinders you can fire on the more powerful that stand's going to be it's just like an engine uh two cylinders is awesome but four cylinders is better and uh I really think if you will start, you out there listening, if you will start to break those stands and find those cylinders you can fire on, you're going to put more fur in the back of that truck. No, I think you, I think you were nailed it right there. And you um, was talking about some of the pressured coyotes and the sounds that you play. Um, I think that uh, something we should talk about here, what I've seen in Kentucky over last week, uh, Cody came down and we tried to film a few stands here. We hooked up with her. Uh, Stafford Gage Bohannon, who's about almost two hours away from me, but uh, um, we had we had some tough calling. It got cold here, unseasonably cold, and had mm-hmm. some snow. And uh, we actually didn't call for the first three days. We never called the first coyote two coyote vocals. Here I'm thinking, you had all this luck with these breeding season sounds. We didn't have the first coyote come into any type of coyote vocal at all. Any of the house, yeah. any of the breeding season stuff, no pups, no fights, no nothing. But what we were calling them in on was rabbit. And we were calling some areas that were pressured. Our night season is in in here, Kentucky. And once night season hits, you've got coyotes that's hearing sound during the day, at night. You know, they're <laughs> getting hammered. But what? 24-7. 24-7. But what we did Every coyote that we caught in came to a rabbit distress, but they came to a rabbit distress that they have never heard before in their lives. So what I'm getting at is MFK had this new sound release. We've got them on the GoFoxPro.com website, and you can also find them on MFK's website. But he just released two new rabbits as well. One of them is called Cottail Sauce, and... I really love the sound of that rabbit. And I said, man, I think this is going to this is gonna be a, a good one. It's got some natural breaks in it and stuff that I think predators like. It adds realism to it. And I said, you know, yep. I said we're going to try this. You know, coyotes aren't coming good. Let's try this new rabbit sound see what happens. Well, guess what? We started calling coyotes. We killed some old coyotes. Uh, we had hard chargers. Uh, I mean, it was the difference. It was a brand new sound file, a brand new. I guarantee you, you know, I burn up KG and Mrs. McCottontail. I burn them up. And so does everybody else in this area. I think if we played those type sounds on those stands, we would have blanked them. But we played a yep, brand new rabbit. Yep, brand new rabbit that none of them heard, and it made the difference. And we called coyotes. And uh, so it kind of shows the differences in two different areas of the world. Al was in New Mexico. And he, he was having them come to a little bit of everything, but really saw the breeding-type stuff shine. Well, here the mm-hmm. same exact week, same exact days, I couldn't buy one with a breeding-type sound during the daytime here in Kentucky, but I was calling them on that brand-new cocktail sauce from MFK. That's awesome. The other thing I noticed when we were out there, John, as long as we had a wind out of the west, 
out of the southwest, out of the northwest. Hey, hey, I, got, I, I got that question for you. I want you to save that for two more now because I got it. I got that lined up. One thing I right. would want you to tell me about, though, Al, is a sound that you mentioned earlier. I wrote this down because I wanted to hear your take on this because I think this is probably one of the most overlooked sounds in uh, any library. That's vol squeaks. Um, you it's... very rarely hear it talked about. You never see anybody hardly ever mention it. But, man, that's a powerful sound. It don't really sound like much, but it sure does call coyotes, don't it? I can pull up 10 or 12 segments of video where coyotes are 350-plus yards away from me, and I turn on vol squeaks, and those coyotes look straight at the collar and run straight to the collar from 350-plus yards. And... I'm amazed they can hear it that far, Yep. but I'm amazed how powerful a seven ounce volt is to a 30 pound coyote or 25 pound coyote. It's an amazing, amazing, powerful sound. And I, this week I would play the rabbit. I'd play the bird. I'd go into the sister pair, a girl fight. I'd do table scraps. I'd do pound town. I'd do uh, den mayhem. And then I would play vol squeaks. What, and what volume just, do you play that bow squeaks at? I play that at 35. So you're like playing loud. Loud as I can. Usually the wind's blowing to some degree in my country. So yeah, I, yeah. Want it, I want it reverberating out there. Well, I'll tell you I what, what I've noticed about when you do turn that volume up on bow squeaks, it yep. almost turns it into a, two, a different sound. It, it almost sounds like yep. a baby cottontail type sound to me. No, it's hyper. And in Canada... At the end of the or at the end of November, I would play all these sounds and I would turn on vol squeaks and coyotes were just showing up. Yep. That we didn't even know were there. Yep. And then coyotes would hang up, they wouldn't come, and I'd turn on vol squeaks and they'd come closer and give me that better shot. Yep. Me and John Bear did so well, and I there was four or five of those coyotes. We can add well one of the coyotes that was the most coolest coyote is he's in these cliffs. We're calling this bottom, and we look across from us 300 yards in these cliffs. There's a coyote right on top of this hill, and he sits down looking. And I'm playing. I'm I am force-feeding him everything on that TX-1000. I hit bull squeaks. There that sucker comes down and gets off the skyline down where we could shoot him, and I shot that coyote at 180 yards. Awesome. Awesome. And John Bear was a good man and went and got him for me because I had <laughs> I rolled my ankle. And uh, Poor John. Some of the best pictures I've ever taken on that cell phone of mine was him dragging that coyote up out of that, uh, the hoodoos and the, uh-huh. you know, it looks like the, the rough country in South Dakota, but we're up there in Alberta. Well, there you go, folks. Do not look over Vol Squeaks. Almost everybody has that on your Fox Pro. Take advantage of it. It, it, it sound works. I've seen it work in every place I've ever tried to use it. Now I want to get to this. The, I call it the finisher. The finisher. That, that'd be. A, I've even. <laughs> hey, that's a good bobcat sound too. I've called it. I've yep. finished bobcats off that sound. Um, yes, sir. Now let's get let's get to that wind deal. We fixing to talk about Al. Everyone knows <laughs> the struggles you know we can face with excessive winds. You talked about that earlier in this podcast with the high winds. Yeah. But what about wind direction? I've seen you, and I've also seen others mention that east winds feeling the coyote movement at times. It's and then sucks. I've got I've got something interesting to say after you give your your take on this. Well, 
and I know I, I know that it's not true everywhere. But in this Western United States, it is not a predominant wind direction. You're right. And I really think it not being a predominant wind direction, when it comes out of the east, I really think it throws those coyotes off their game. Now, I was watching a special the other day. If a, if a red fox, you see the red fox, they jump up in the air and dive into the snow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If they are facing any other direction than true north, the scientists, for whatever reason, when they studied these red fox, when a red fox facing east, when a red fox facing west or facing south, he's only about a 20% success rate diving up and jumping into the snow after them voles, moles, mice, whatever's in the snow banks that they're trying. When they're facing true north, they go to almost a 72 to 75% success rate. That's pretty wild. I've never heard That's of that. That's wild. So, I mean, there's things in these animals we don't understand, you know, right. as far as wind direction facing certain directions and i honestly think that east wind when it started blowing we rolled we killed four coyotes by 10 o'clock that's a good day anywhere oh yeah and ten thirty rolls around filming. and all of a sudden that wind gushes out of the east mm -hmm. and we did not see another coyote on that day three well what's so what's so crazy about it i saw you know, I talked to you and you mentioned that to me and like the same week, you know, people hunting the same time period out West in Western States. Uh, I seen them mention the same thing. They was talking about they was having pretty good hunting and then the wind switched out of the East and it just died for them. Yep. And I just think it's because it throws those coyotes off their game. They're used to approaching those areas they hunt. You know, whether it's the prairie dog dens, whether it's the rabbits, whether it's the voles, the moles, the, whatever, the, the kangaroo rats. Yep. I think they've learned to hunt downwind in a western wind. Right. Southwest, northwest, doesn't matter. It's a predominant west wind. When that comes out of the east, it completely throws them off their game. They just, I think, rather than fight what they don't understand, they just lay down right. and shut her down. And they won't, and they know that anything sound wise, you got to be really close to get them up out of their beds when they lay down and they're not hunting. Well, you know, and it's, it's still, extremely interesting because I've heard you say it a few times. I've seen Clay Reed say it multiple times. You know, when he was doing that coyote day challenge, he mentioned yep. something about struggling when the wind was out of the east. Uh, I've seen yep. a couple other guys mention it as well. But the funny thing is, uh, east winds, Kansas. Kansas, and, and here in home. One of the crazy things about here is we rarely get a east wind as well. I mean, we get east winds, but seems like yeah. right here, most time it's a west wind. It's either west or south or something in between, you know, west, southwest, southwest, or whatever. We do get winds out in the north. I always look forward to the north winds. We always call, call good for those. But we do get the east winds, and the difference for me is we still have success with the east winds and it's actually i think what it what it does for me al i think it, it keeps me in fresh eared coyotes because i've got a set of a set of stands that i never call i've got to have east a little bit of east in the to wind to be able to hunt them i mean just there's just no way to hunt them you you guys see the videos you see how our country's laid out uh, there's just certain times, certain places you can't hunt unless you've got that east in, in the wind. And the crazy yeah. thing is those are highly productive stands, but I think what it is, uh, on pressure, I'm on fresh coyotes. I set up close to them and they come good. Yeah. Now, if it was a more situational thing, like you guys run into out West, it might be a total different ball game.
but I, I find it extremely interesting how it shuts your all's calling down out there in the West, but here in, in here that I still do pretty good. And then another thing we talked about Kansas, when I first started going to Kansas years and years and years ago, it seemed like you always had, you know, your North and West and South, but some reason that area that we call it, you seem like you run into an east wind just as much as you do anything else. And man, we always burn them up in that country, no matter what the wind is, unless it's extreme, excessive high winds. Right. And it's just, you know, when a guy has a weekend, you know, I realize some of you guys are hardworking Americans. You're out there doing your best and you only get one day to call. And if it's an east wind, you're still going to call it. And God bless you because you've got to, that's your day to go call coyotes. So don't let it deter you. But just know that in my country, it's probably going to cut your numbers down from a successful day that's a west wind versus an east wind. I really think it'll cut my day by three quarters. And, and, and it could be just, it could be like that here, too, or anywhere else in the country. Uh, you know, there could be something to that east wind, you know, for everybody. I don't know, but like I'm saying here, it's just I'm hitting some of those stands that, you know, that might not get called once a year once every two years, something like that. So, you know, like right now, I'd love to have an east wind to go hunt a couple stanzas right down the road here, and I know I'll call a coyote, <laughs> but I can't call it till I get an east wind, and I ain't seen an east wind in a long time. <laughs> well, I think it's awesome. I, I think what you've done with this podcast, John, is, is amazing. I hope that you people out there have, have picked up a nugget that you can put in that, that bag of tricks and go out there and make you more successful with the Fox Pros. I appreciate the kind words there, there, Al. Uh, I do have a couple more questions for you, though. On, Let's go. Uh, what about uh, what do you think? What's your opinion on the effect that the moon phase has on coyote calling? You see a lot of people talk about uh, full moons. You see a full moon topic come up a lot uh, for yeah. daytime and nighttime hunting. And, you know, we're not biologists by no means. Uh, we're not no. trying to act like we are biologists, but we we no. are outdoorsmen. Uh, we are woodsmen, and we spend a ton, a lot of days in the of field. time in the field. So, just yeah. from what you've seen, what your past experiences, what do you think about moon moon phases? Do you pay it's much really attention to cr- them, or? Well, you've got to. You've really got to. And I mean, I've kept a journal since I was sixteen with elk. You know, I just put my knife in number eight hundred. That I've put a knife in eight hundred elk now, and a full moon can really be a tricky animal on on all these animals we hunt whether it's deer you've you've seen it with your deer i've seen it with the elk and i know i've seen it with the coyotes and and the problem with the world championship it's always it's always been those 22 24 years we competed every world championship um it's always that first week of december so that moon phase is always different every year and uh Man, there was years that we had to hunt the full moon, and we crushed them. I mean, yep. we we just destroyed them. And then, you know, a few years later, we're in a full moon condition, and we cannot buy a coyote. And I looked at the at the the fronts and the winds and the pressures, and they're very similar to the years we crushed, but yet we failed. Right. And then there was times I'd have in my book, "Do not go out on this." this this southeast wind with a three-quarter moon uh it was terrible and we went out southeast wind three-quarter moon and we crushed right <laughs> you know? so there's no so, what you would say is there's 
you feel I like there's really, times it affects it, but you, you can't string anything together that says that there's any absolutes to John, it. John, I've done this my whole adult life, and I'm going to write a hell of a book someday with you, probably. <laughs> I'll read but it. But I, <laughs> I cannot tell you. But, you know, and it's those guys that night hunt, they got to avoid that full moon because right. that full moon is like daylight. They're going to see you. You When you hunt at night with thermal, you better hunt full moon like it's daylight stands. You better Cause hide. Because I can see you. You better stay on the ground right. and you better hide because they'll see you as they're coming in. Hell, a three-quarter moon, they'll see you with thermal if you're standing out there on tripods. So um, let me ask it to you this way because it sounds like you, you've had success and you have struggled with all moon phases oh uh, yeah and and all wind directions except for maybe that east but uh yeah. uh what about let's say you was planning a trip like mike calls you and he says hey i need you to go somewhere in november you pick whatever month it is you said you pick any time but you know just right. we want to make sure it's a good trip so you're looking at that month you're like well i've got a full moon here and i've got this moon doing this going the other way or whatever well you if you're scheduling a hunt out, will you pay attention to what that moon phase is just for I your love, confidence? I love a sliver moon to a quarter moon. So if you, if you had your choice what to hunt, that's what it'd be. Yeah, no, I'm going to go to that sliver quarter moon yep. because I really think it's enough light that if they really want to get up and move at night, but it's not going to be so bright that they can hunt all night. Yeah. And I really think if I'm day calling, I want that sliver quarter. If I'm night calling, I want that sliver quarter because I don't want to be seen as much. And then I kind of think I want it uh, waxing versus waning. I want it. I want that full moon coming because I think those they've, they've hit that dark of the moon. They haven't been able to hunt much at night and they're starting to get a little light. And I just see in my journals, in my records, that those coyotes are hungry and starting to become more aggressive in their in, in day and night. Good and stuff. I think yeah. it, I think it kind of stresses them when it's a dark moon. And, and I've been out in dark moon thermalin, and the coyotes don't move. Right. I just think they know they're not going to see anything. So these guys that wait for dark moons to go out at night, uh, you might be shooting yourself in the foot. I think you want to you want that quarter moon. Either way, waxing, waning, but the as it, the growing moon seems to be, uh, that's my personal. If I had to choose one moon, if I had to, you said you've got to go kill coyotes on this moon, day or night. What moon is it? It's that sliver to quarter, and it's uh, waxing, it's growing, and uh, I guarantee you I'll shoot more coyotes than the waning quarter to where it's going away. Okay, good stuff, so, good stuff. I got one more question for you here. Uh, what effect do you think temps have coyote calling? When I say that, oh, I'm talking about like warmer you, than you warmer saw. than average and colder than average type stuff. Yeah, no, I mean, so coyotes in Arizona, New Mexico, uh, old Mexico, 104 degrees temperatures. They still got They're still going to go out. But mostly in in the late stands or early stands in the morning. Um, my my temperature up through the Intermountain West, Montana, Idaho, Utah, Wyoming, Nevada, sixty six degrees. If it's above sixty six, your calling rates will go down. You got to be closer to them. Yep. If it's below sixty six degrees, they'll go all day. If it's below fifty degrees, they'll go all day easy. Yeah. And but the problem is if it's in the if it's in the teens, in the low temperatures, they may not they may not uncurl that tail off their face till ten a.m. Right. Wait for they, it to warm they, up a little bit. 
they are not interested in some of these coyotes. I've proven it through the years. We'll get up there at first light thinking that first stand of the day is going to rock, and it's just too damn cold. Those yep. coyotes know nothing else is moving in that cold, cold, cold weather. Oh, yeah. And they know they're going to be able to hunt all day, and they may be hunted some of the night. They're going to rest, save their energy, and about that 10 o'clock, they're going to start moving, I see, stretching. I, I see people all the time, especially on social media, they'll see some cold weather coming. And that's the first thing you see. Oh, we're going to burn them up come Saturday. It's supposed to drop from 45 down to 15. We're going to burn them up. No, drop it down to single digits. It does. It, it shocks them. them. It's almost like it's got to be. Now, say it drops down to single digits from 40, being mild down to single digits. Yeah. Uh, like you said, it, 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 I've, what I've seen over the years is the same exact thing. It shocks them. And that first day or so, they won't hardly move at all. It's like they're conserving move. energy or whatever. But after well, like two or three days of that consecutive cold temps, you'll see them start moving high. in. Well, they got that's to. because their their stomachs are like, "Hey, let's go." You got to do something. <laughs> yeah. So no, and it's just it. It's not rocket science. It really isn't. These coyotes, they are the ultimate survivors. They are the ultimate at conserving energy. Because if they, they go on a fool's errand and they burn energy up and then they can't replenish it, it could cost them their lives. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so I really think you need to reevaluate that. Hunting them in Alberta, in the, it was minus 20 when we got out of the truck, and it had been that way for a week. Yeah. And those coyotes were up and hunt. They had well, to eat to survive. Well, you know, like, you know that, that's the difference, too. All areas of the country is different. So, like when you do get up in those northern states and up in Canada, man, they're used to the cold. I mean, you know what I mean? They, you know, I'm talking about like unseasonably warmer than average and unseasonably colder than average for whatever region it is. You can see issues. You know, I've called even right here at home, I've called coyotes in triple digit temps and I've called coyotes in negative you know, yes. below zero type temps. So, you can call them and everything, but I've always told people, hey, you know, they'll see that cold stuff coming and get excited. Uh, hey, yeah. give me 45 to 55 degree days through yeah. that year, and I'll, I guarantee you I kill more coyotes when I'm, because they're, they're more comfortable themselves. I mean, you'll just, you know, that's just how it is, what I've always seen. Give me those mild temps, and I'm going to do a lot yep. better. And hey, this is the Fox Pro Podcast, and I'm really proud of this team we call Fox Pro because in a very short few years, we hunted from California to Vermont. Texas to Alberta, Canada. Everywhere. No other call manufacturer, no other TV shows are covering California to Vermont, Texas to Alberta, Canada. And more Midwest hunts than, than are on Fox Pro, Fox Pro Hunting TV, Fox Pro Fur Takers, Fox Pro Fur Taker Resurrection. Um, we have built a hell of a team. And I'm so glad when they brought you on, John, and uh, to see what you've done with this podcast, to see the video that you get self-filming and uh, – we just, the team at Fox Pro, we really want to thank everybody that listens, everybody that watches. Um, you make us what we are, and me and John Collins are particularly humbled, and we really thank you for uh, making us number one in the industry. Hey, I think that's a good good way to finish it out right here. We've been on here for quite a while, and you just hit the nail right on the head with that. And I want to, you know, I thank you for coming on and, and sharing your your knowledge. You know, hey, guys, take what he said to heart. I mean, he's been doing this for a long time. He's been doing it for a living for a long time. And I want to remind everyone out there that we do have a new series out there on our Fox Pro Inc. YouTube channel. It's Fox Pro Fur Takers Resurrection. 
Al has been burning them up all across the country, bringing awesome content to that. You can see your boss man, Mike Dillon, on there for an episode or two. I've got a couple on there, some really good stuff that you guys don't want to miss out on. And, hey, we, we hope everyone enjoyed this episode. You know, we, we love bringing this stuff to you guys and hope you guys learn from it. We hope you join us again right here on the Fox Pro Podcast.